Welcome to another fantastic episode of Feed the Fish. Now, this is actually my third try of recording this episode because for whatever reason, the vocals sounded very strange in the last few, um, in the last few takes. And I think it's because I'm recording in a different space to what I normally record. I'm recording in our old church hall here. And so it's a much larger room, which typically isn't a good place to record because then you end up with echoes. But we have a builder upstairs who is busy putting in a door, or rather two doors, it's complicated, so that I can have an office. And so for the time being, I'm just recording in this space and we'll see how it goes. Otherwise I would go in the kitchen, but when you record in the kitchen, like I did last week, if you're very eagle-eared, I don't know, what what, what is the equivalent? I mean, bat-eared? I suppose some people don't like bats, so that wouldn't really work. I mean, some people don't like eagles either, I suppose, but I mean, there's nothing you can do about that. Eagles are fairly fairly decent birds. But, you know, you can't say eagle-eyed, but eagle-eared, you know what I mean. You really do. The point is, if you were carefully listening to the audio from last week, you could probably hear the fridge buzzing in the background very quietly. You see, this is one of the tricks to actually getting this podcast recorded. You have to have a certain amount of apathy. You have to... If you want to get something done, you need to do it reasonably well. But sometimes you could wait for the absolute perfect circumstances to arise, for you to have the perfect equipment, for you to have the perfect opportunity, and honestly, that's all not necessary. You can get away with a passable attempt, and you know it, it's real, it's in the world. Rather do a reasonably good job than a perfect job that you can't do. Because I think so many people do wait till they can get it perfectly right, till they have the perfect studio, the perfect room, the perfect microphone. Uh, you can wait for all of that kind of stuff before you start creating something, but honestly, how are you ever going to improve? How are you going to get good at it if you don't practice? You know, the thing that you can create now is better than the thing you can't create. And I think that's so important. You should be able to just go ahead and create something and get it out there, because the product that you have created is much better than the invisible one that you haven't yet or are hoping that you will in two three four years time you don't know when you get that house with the studio or when you get that mic no 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 make something now go and go and make something create something with what you have and actually that's kind of what today's episode is all about we're talking about photographs now you might be thinking that this doesn't really apply to you because you're not a photographer. I don't know, you might be, but I mean, most people aren't, and I assume most listeners to this podcast aren't professional photographers, and that's perfectly all right. You don't have to be. But all of you do take photos, I'm fairly certain of that. Maybe you take a selfie with friends when you go out. Maybe you want to take a photograph of some food that you're eating that looks absolutely delicious. You want to make your family jealous, and you want to post it in the family group and say, look, don't you all wish you were having ice cream followed by steak and chips? Or, or don't you wish you were having this perfect espresso in this perfect restaurant, in this perfect setting? Don't you, you know, you, you, you try and rile your family members up. I mean, what else are good food photographs for, right? You send them to the group and you just wait for the responses. Some people will be thrilled. They go, oh, that's, that's, that's nice, good for you. And some people will be like, Oh, I wish I was there. And that's the perfect kind of combination response that you want to get. Uh, food photographs are meant to evoke hunger. Anyway, I, I digress. The point is, you take photographs, whatever they might be. Photos of friends, photos of food, photos of things. You know what, you probably even take screenshots, which are normally like these one megapixel images, which aren't really designed to be printed on a billboard ever, and probably will never be, thankfully. But... You have, you've got these things that you create. What do you do with them? 
Well, many of us post them to something like Instagram. Many of us will share one of the photographs of a batch that we take. So today what I'm going to talk about is how to pick a good photograph from a batch of photographs. And there are a number of ways to do this. I mean, obviously this is going to come down to personal preference, of course, because you are, as a photographer, are going to decide what works for you, what doesn't work for you, what looks the best, what looks the worst. But let's give a few pointers. So I think the first sort of first way you can actually choose a good photograph, first thing, first thing at all, is I would look for exposure. Exposure is kind of like brightness of a photograph. Um, that's a poor way to put it, I suppose. It's more than that, but that'll do. So you're looking for brightness and you're looking for the right amount of brightness for that photograph. So a photograph that is properly exposed, it's the right kind of brightness. So you're looking at three areas of your photograph. First of all, you've got the highlights, which are the very brightest parts of your image. The shadows, which of course are the darkest parts of the image. And then you have the mid-tones. And normally the mid-tones will be right either way, so you're not so worried about those. Because they're in the middle. So if you want to look, you're trying to, first of all, your mid-tones, your sort of average brightness, the sort of standard for the whole image. First of all, that should be matching where your focus is. So if you're taking a photograph on your phone, you're probably going to get just about everything in focus, so that's not going to be an issue. Your phone will take care of that. Um, if you're taking a more professional camera, you'll need to get that right. But the first thing I would be looking for is I'd be looking for exposure. And so you want to look into the shadows and you want to see that nothing that you really want your people that want the people so you want to show your photograph to people if they look at it you want to see, you want to be sure that nothing really important is getting lost in the shadows nothing really important is so dark that you can't see it i mean i'm sure you've taken a photograph of food maybe at a restaurant with dim lighting and it just hasn't come out the way you want it everything's very dark and it's very hard to see what's going on so that is what we call underexposed there's not enough light it's under the threshold of light that we need so I wouldn't share that photograph I would I would find a brighter one um, but the opposite is also true so I'm sure you've taken a photograph on a sunny day maybe maybe it's a selfie maybe it's a photograph of someone while they stood against a window and you wanted to get what's outside the window as the background for your photograph and you wanted to get the person by the window in focus. I don't know if you've done this, or maybe even outside, you were trying to get something near and far, both kind of in the shot. And you can see it just fine, but when you take that photograph with your camera, what happens is the outside area, or that area that's sort of further away, becomes very bright, and you can't really see any details in that. Maybe you've taken a photograph of a mountain, and you've had this beautiful blue sky, and you take a photograph and it just comes out the sort of pale whitish blue it's just awful and you're kind of going what happened there that's overexposed that's when your image is too bright and you're actually losing detail in the highlights it's just too bright so what you're looking for is a, a goldilocks photograph where you can see enough detail in the shadows that you're not losing anything important there but you can also see enough detail in the highlights you're not blowing them out that's what it's called you blow out your highlights and then you can't really recover that later I'm sure I mean if you're a more sort of technologically minded person or are a photographer you might have gone into your iPhone's editing app or your cameras or 
whatever your post processing and try to pull down the highlights to try and reduce the brightness there and recover some of that detail and sometimes that's possible but on your phone it's probably not going to be and so what you're looking for is you want a Goldilocks photograph where it's not too bright and not too dark um, one of the ways that you can do this easily when you're taking that photo in the first place most often with your phone it's trying to your phone has got a light meter in it that kind of tells your phone what it should be aiming for whether it should be aiming to, to create a really bright image because it's taking a photograph of a dark thing or a really dark photograph of a bright thing to try and because your phone's trying to make these calculations for you and so to get a properly exposed photograph it kind of looks at the whole thing normally looks at the whole photograph and tries to make an average so if you if you want to try and use that to your advantage you can try and take a photograph that's either all in shadow or all in light and if you do that if you try and get sort of a similar tone for the whole photograph everything's in shadow or everything's in the light then you'll get a much more consistent look and it'll be easier for your phone to set that exposure correctly so the first thing I'm going to look for is proper exposure so I would immediately trash all the photographs that aren't properly exposed and that aren't savable. I mean, if you have more experience and you know what you're doing, you can probably try and save those a bit more. If you're using a professional camera and shooting in what's called a raw file, you can often save a lot more detail than on a phone, but we're gonna keep this simple. Keep the ones that are properly exposed, just the right kind of light, not too dark in the dark shadows and not too light in the highlights. Uh, you want to keep those photos so the second round to try and reduce the bad photographs and keep only the good you are looking for a photograph that has proper composition uh, composition is how you frame that photograph how you how it looks where the people are in the frame um, to keep things simple imagine your photograph is on Instagram and you've got your little square there's this thing called the rule of thirds if you took a square and made it into a grid of nine squares so if you go to someone's channel or whatever and you'll see those sort of first nine, that is called the rule of thirds. Now Instagram just has that in nines, it just so happens to be in threes, but this is a good way to explain it. So basically if you divided your photograph, put two lines sort of from top to bottom and then two lines from side to side, you would have a square in the middle, or sort of rectangle in the middle, and you'd have these four spots where these lines cross. You can Google it, it's very easy. You want to put your subjects on the lines and extra points for putting them on the points where the lines cross. It just looks better. I don't ask me why, that's just how it works. That's the first thing. The other easiest one that you probably do all the time, especially when you take phone photographs, is a great way to compose and you put your subject right in the middle. So how do you remove photos that aren't properly composed? Well. You're looking for photos that cut things off. You're looking for photographs that you want to get rid of the photographs that cut off someone's arm, uh, don't have all their hair in it. Uh, maybe it cuts off someone's feet. You're, you're trying to find a photograph that's got all the bits of your subject in the photograph. You're trying to keep all of the important things. If you are taking a photograph of a plate and you want that whole meal perhaps, and you're not trying to capture a sort of side of the plate or something like that. If you're trying to get the whole subject, but you've only got half of it in, don't share that photograph. Now, you can break this rule. You can break all of these rules. But in general, you're looking to get your whole subject in the frame. 
And so I'm obviously not talking about when you're trying to get, I don't know, the eye of an animal and you just want to photograph the eye and the fur around it. Then the subject is the eye. You want to have the whole eye in the frame. Something like that, if you, if you follow what I'm saying. So proper exposure. And then you want to have a photograph that's got the whole subject in the frame. Where do you go from there? Now you've done two rounds. You've probably got only a few photos left. Where do you go next? How do you pick the best photograph? So the next thing you're looking for is you are looking for good colors. Um, you want a photograph that kind of maybe 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 accurately represents the colors that you want that you saw in person, or you're looking for a photograph that represents the colors you saw in person well, in a way that you like. Now that's not always the same thing. Uh, sometimes we like to see warmer photographs than we really saw in real life. Maybe we want to see a cooler photograph than we really saw in real life. And that's okay because photographs are an artistic capture of the world. There, there's some artistic license that you get when you take a photograph. You know, we all understand that black and white photographs aren't how we really see, but there is something quite powerful and striking about them that we like. And so, or maybe you hate them, I don't know. I kind of like them, but it depends. I often shoot in color. Um, in fact, I just about always shoot my photographs in color, and if I do want to produce a black and white image, then I'll convert it from the color image. But the principle being that you can turn a color image into a black and white image, but not the other way around. Important detail. So, you've got exposure, you've got composition. What's next? Well, I think the very next thing you're looking for is the color. And after you've got the color down, what are the sort of last things you're looking for? Well, the last things you're looking for are really those things that you're looking for an image that tells a story. And I know everyone always talks about story like it's a magical thing. I'm not talking about a magical thing. Um, you want to have a photograph that fits the message you're trying to convey. If you're taking a photograph of a meal, um, maybe you want to just tell the story of that food, so you want to have a photograph that accurately shows the meal that you had. Um, if you're trying to take a photograph of steak and you get the side of the plate with a salad, it could be a stunning photograph, but if it doesn't show the steak, don't send that pic. Find the pic that shares the thing you want to share. Uh, even if it's a great pic of salad, if you want to show your family you were eating a great steak, don't send the salad pic, send the steak pic, or send a pick of the steak and the salad. I mean, it's not a crime. You can send more than one. You can make him more jealous. You can catch catch the vegetarians and the meat eaters with two images, and they'll just both be hungry and they'll go, "Oh, I wish I was you." Uh, with portraits, you're looking for there are two kinds of portraits, I suppose. This is really a gross oversimplification, but it doesn't really matter. Maybe a portrait you're trying to take care of. You're trying to take a portrait. You're trying to capture one of two things. You're trying to capture the person or you're trying to capture the person plus the environment. So if you're trying to capture the person, find the best photo of that person that you've got. Maybe one where their eye is on one of those lines crossing, the rule of thirds that I mentioned earlier. Uh, maybe they're, they're smack in the middle and they're, and they're very clearly the subject of that image. That's a great pic to share. Um, or maybe you want to take an environmental portrait and show not only the person, but where they are and give a bit of context Often our selfies are like that. They're a bit of an environmental portrait that's really to sort of heighten what a selfie is and to make it way more fancy. But you know what? That's legitimate. You can do that, I suppose. I normally take selfies on my um, mirrorless camera, so who am I to judge? But 
an environmental portrait, you're trying to capture the person and the background, trying to give a bit of a sense of where you are. It's when you go and play putt-putt with your brother and you take a selfie and you're trying to capture not just you, but you're trying to capture maybe where you are and maybe you're trying to show that you're standing in the putt-putt field or the putt-putt course or whatever you call it. I'm not a golfer, okay? I'm brilliant at golf. My, I've never played it and so I'm going to keep up my, my brilliant score. Um, but that's the point. You want to capture a bit of the environment. So you're looking for a photograph then where you've got your subject on one of those rule of thirds lines or smack in the center, but you're also showing a bit of the environment around you. And that's where exposure is really important. If your environment is too bright, you can't see it. Um, if your environment's too dark, you can't see it. A good photograph is going to show you a good environmental portrait showing you the background is going to have all of that properly exposed. You'll be able to get a sense of what was going on in that moment, and that'll be a great pick. So, there we go. I think all of that is a lot of information. It's a lot of different ways to choose a good photograph, but hopefully these, these techniques and tips will help you to choose great photographs to share with your family or to share on Instagram, and hopefully just make you take better photos in general. Um, however, it's not a magic fix. Um, you still have to take these photographs in the first place. And these days we all do take lots of photographs so even by the rule of numbers uh, you'll you'll definitely have some good ones in your collection so anyways have a fantastic week and i'll see you next week for another episode of feed the fish mm -hmm.